Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. We are ready to finish up part two of our interview with Mr. Elon Silver, my guest for the day. And we have just refilled his delicious cup of Terramana tequila. So <laughs> he's ready for another full interview. So first off, how do you like the glass? <laughs> I've, I've never had this type of tequila before, but I'm truthfully enjoying it. You enjoy it on the rocks? No, I've, I've, I'm more of a beer cider guy, but I am really enjoying this tequila. I've never had this before, but I'm definitely liking it. Well, every guest on the show gets complimentary drinks if you're over 21. So there you go, yeah. It's, uh, my fake ID worked this time. <laughs> Bet. Anyways, it's my pleasure to be able to provide you such a good drink because you're providing us with good content. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, what I'd like to discuss is in the last episode, we touched on the Maritime Academy, our experience there a little bit. However, I'd like to go in depth on the Maritime Academy experience. We're pulling out all the weeds from our four years there. (laughs) All Uh, the good and the bad. (laughs) That's right. Because we covered the differences between the Coast Guard and the commercial industry as a job. However, a big part of that decision is your formulative four years in the Coast Guard could be instead spent four years at the Merchant Marine Academies and... That's a really big, significant part of your early development. And so I don't want to just brush up on it like we did. I want to go in depth to how Mm -hmm. our four years went start to finish. Yeah. And I thought it warranted a whole episode being directed towards it so people know what they're getting into really well before deciding to attend one of these academies because it's not all roses. It's not all bad. And also you want to make make an educated decision because also it's a financial decision. That's right. So we touched on in the last episode already how you ended up coming into Maine Maritime Academy and learning about it with your school. Now, a lot of people, regardless of your background, you're going to be in high school and, you know, Maine Maritime Academy or any of the other Merchant Marine Academies are an option to go to. We covered that it's pretty high tuition rate. However, if you have good grades, you can apply for good scholarships. And the school also does give financial aid and assistance. So we're not going to go too deep into that side of the program. I really want to start covering first day we get there. We had our regimental preparatory training on the cutter for the two weeks. And if you recall, they had us put all of our stuff in a shipping crate. And everyone was on the pier flipping their bags around because no one had the correct bag of stuff that we were allowed to bring on the ship. Yeah. Now, that's the first thing I'm going to hit is that the students who are in the regiment as juniors run the prep training. Yes, uh, the uh, they're called strikers. Yes. Yes, and yeah. so we'll get more into the striker conversation as we go on because I was also a striker later at my time at Maine Maritime. But how did it feel? First showing up to the dock, having these students telling you, you got to rearrange your bags, get on the boat. And they were kind of being a little bit mean to you. <laughs> so my uh, my my memory serves uh, what, what, it's, uh, what I remember, what, um, what I saw at that time was I was a little anxious. I was ready to jump in it uh, head first. I knew it was about to happen. So you, um, you had a lot of what will happen, what ifs. It was it was real stressful, so especially coming out of high school. You don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You're meeting all these people for the first time, 
you're seeing all these people in uniforms. And in high school, you're able to wear what, what you wanted, unless if you're in a school that required you to wear a uniform. So I, I did not have a uniform. So wearing a uniform was rather new to me. So we, uh, we went up onto the ship. We put, our, uh, we put our stuff away. We gave all electronics. We turned all our electronics in, anything that we didn't need. We turned in. And then we, uh, we went down the gangway for the ship. And then we had to walk up to what we called the field house on campus. And that's when the fun began. It's an indoor gymnasium, uh, big, huge open space yep. that we later in our careers in Maine Maritime is that's where you muster in the mornings when you muster indoors. Yeah. So we got to know the field house very well. Yeah, but no, it's this big cavernous space that we, we utilized for a lot of training when it comes to the regiment and other recreational activities. Yeah. Silver's completely right here. They threw us in this gym with a bunch of people we don't know. And we were just vaguely told what company we're in. And so we had these people that said, oh, if you're in Bravo, you go over here. If you're in Charlie, you go over here. And, <laughs> and the funny thing was is that uh, they told me my company name and I completely forgot it. So I, so I actually chose a random company. Luckily, I chose the right one. But that, that was one of the funny things. Funny things of how it how it started. Some so. people didn't pick the right one. They had to run around the gym looking like idiots. It yeah. was uh, it was it was rather crazy. So, yeah. it, it was a big hodgepodge mess. But uh, I don't want to have this whole episode be about just RPT because that's only two weeks of the whole experience. But essentially, RPT was our chance to get physically acclimated to the academy. Yes, and it, it knocked out the um, the me and turned it into we. It broke us down. Especially as high school, it was easily to, easy to break us. And it and really weeded out people pretty quickly. They don't have any commitment at all to the program because... Got rid of a lot of people real quick. There yeah. was three days of intensity and then it, they let up. And that took out about 25 people already. Yes. And they would time. let us know how many were gone. We, at the end of every night, they would play taps on the uh, loudspeaker and tell us who our fallen shipmates were. The the uh the call of the pipe. So yeah. And that would scare us. They'd say twenty five shipmates have fallen today. And you'd be like, Oh and that'd kinda of scare you. It's like a Hunger Games type vibe, so yeah. Well, I'll I'll mention this about RPT, just as a quick note, is that if you're an athlete, you gotta out of some of that stuff that they'd make you do during RPT because they send you to the athletics facility. For practice, you could eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches. <laughs> Candy. Sorry, hidden secret. Well, you guys were sweating, getting told to do push-ups and run around and stuff. Yeah. So being an athlete has its perks going through the regiment. For sure, for sure. And then carrying over into mug month when you're a midshipman under guidance. You don't have freedoms yet. It's just you're not constantly being PT'd anymore. But uh, what mug month is designed... Um, was designed to do is designed to fill your entire schedule to the point where you did not have enough time to do everything on top of schoolwork, regimental requirements, because they had us do two inspections a day, three musters a day. They um, they filled our entire schedule to the point where we just had no time to do everything that was on our list. So that what that did was it put us under stress, and that stress is what we experience obviously when we're out at sea. So it was designed to uh, during those months to to see what what we would do. 
Because some stress is good. Yes. You just don't want to be overstressed. But that gave us enough stress to really get us focused and honed in. That was the right level of stress. Yes. It was designed for us to put us in the firing uh, firing lane and see if we would sink or swim. And there is no way we could ever finish all the tasks. Impossible. No way. They, they, but they knew the that. uniform. The uniform wouldn't hold the creases. The, the, the homework was a lot of stress. They would have, if we weren't with a, a shipmate walking up and down the hill, we would have to run. I like that as a cross-country athlete. It it gave me a chance. I said I could practice during the day. So you just see me sprinting up and down the hill randomly going going to class. But it's not good to be a lone wolf. And it actually, what that did was because you had to walk with a shipmate, it gave you a chance to interact and talk with a lot of people you normally wouldn't have at a normal college campus. I know a lot of friends at college campuses the freshman year. They barely had any friends. Me, I had hundreds of friends because at one point or another hey you gotta go down to the waterfront i gotta go down to the waterfront and neither of us want to run down that hill in our shoes right now so let's walk together (laughs) until they stripped that uh that privilege away from us because they wanted to but yeah (laughs) yep but it did it got you to make a lot of friends you got to sit with a lot of you look different because you're in a blue prisoner looking outfit if you ever watched the movie Shawshank Redemption, that should give you a uh, depiction of what we looked like. So, well, you knew who else was a freshman because you looked like a freshman. Yes. And so you could spot another guy from across the room that that's a freshman. Yep. Yep. But Mug Month only lasts six, seven weeks. It's a little bit longer than a month. But it ended by about mid-October, so about two months into the semester. Yeah, no, the uh, the first, it was 10 days of RPT and then six weeks of the uh, Mug Month, so yeah. And it flies by faster as an athlete, I'll mention again, because you get, that's your only opportunity to escape campus is if you're in athletics. Otherwise, you're confined to the campus for those two months. Yeah. And then we become members of the regiment. We have a ceremony that weekend. And that's the first time they allow us off campus too, which is exciting. Right. Uh, for people that are not in the athletics. So that's a real treat. And yeah. Well, I think to bring up this point too is when you talk about the time management of Mug Month is we are taking full boatloads of college courses just like any other college student at any other university. Now, um, now, yeah, the, we, we take a lot of courses. We take a lot of classes, a high, ske- um, high workload. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go even back farther before RPT. When we, when we did our, um, our orientation, I remember my, I would talk to my family. They pulled all the parents aside into the auditorium. And they told them one thing that, uh, that really stuck to me. And, and they really, it really fascinated me on why they said this. They said, um, when, you're, when your kid goes into Mug Month, do not help him. Do not support him. Let him figure it out. Because uh, what Mug Month is designed to do, and what they are telling the parents to do, is that they're, one, building our confidence in ourselves to finish a task, finish a job, against major odds against an impossible task and we still hit it head on even though we might not be able to finish it Mm -hmm. we still give it our honest effort 
And in the end, it teaches us confidence to finish something that we started. And, it, and in the end, it helps us to uh, finish the tasks that we were gonna that we're gonna talk about that happened later on in the semesters in college into junior and senior year. Um, going through Mug Month definitely helped us for what's to come. So yeah, yeah. And you know, once we became members of the regiment, that was right when the workload of schools started picking up because they kind of correlated that with that. Mm-hmm. And we were prepared to grind out those classes and. I'll admit I was not an A student in high school, but I ended my freshman year of college with way higher grades than I'd ever had before. Yes. Because of the regimented philosophies they implemented in us those first couple months. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It sucked. It absolutely sucked. <laughs> but what is, um, something that I say is that nothing ever co- uh, good comes easy. That's right. No sailor was ever made on calm waters. Exactly. As the saying goes, you have to endure the storms to build character. And that also helps you with your personal life as well. And it does. And, you know, we got introduced to stand in duty and stand in watch, which is something Coasties are very familiar with. We had duty at the Maritime Academy, and <laughs> we would have to go to watch on top of our classes and. They didn't care what other things we had in our schedule. You had to show up for that watch. Like uh, during the week, you might have an 8 o'clock in the morning class, but you might be spending a midnight to 4 in the morning watch. Yeah, that might suck, but you you might have to do that out at sea where you could be sitting a midnight to 4 in the morning watch and then you have, you have line handling at 8 o'clock in the morning. Everything that we had to do during those regiments of times was done for a reason help teach us yes 100%. so i think that the regiment is definitely your hardest dragon to conquer your first semester in college there's a lot of dragons to conquer but the regiment is the focal point of that first semester yes and then you get back from a really well-deserved winter break you get about four weeks off yeah we had around 28 days yeah and you come back to school for semester two and they get you on the auditorium the first week and they dump, uh, I'm not kidding, like a three-inch thick packet on your lap. And they said, you have to finish this with all the drawings and all the sign-offs before you step on that ship for cruise. Pre-cruise, yeah. Pre-cruise, <laughs> the infamous packet. So, yeah. And we're all looking at each other like, how the heck are we going to get this done? <laughs> now, mind you, we we had a full course load on top of this. We had 16, 17 credits. They ramped up and, the semester of work. And this and this was on top of this pre-cruise, which had no credits attached to. So this was like a separate class entirely that had, had nothing to do with anything that we're doing except preparing us for our first sailing term. And this was our first of many business ventures that we came up with because <laughs> we created a study guide yes, that the, people uh, could use. We, we, we charged, what, $5 uh, for a the viewing? Go- we made a Google PowerPoint and we charged $5 for viewership of it. Yeah. And somehow it leaked halfway through. We made a couple hundred dollars off that thing because everyone needed it. I'm guilty of that leak. but <laughs> I just remember coming to my dorm room one day and seeing someone have it. And I said, I know I didn't sell this to that guy. How did he get it? <laughs> <laughs> so 
we we did pretty good with that though and you know how we were able to come up with that is when we got that packet we took those skills and those values we learned from our couple months in the regiment and we spent all of our free time every single night down in that engine room till we had it figured out yes and with that we, incredible work ethic yeah so uh, me, uh how me and jack Muzi met we we were down working with a uh with a junior um and we were just coincidentally met and we started working together and we joined forces with all these drawings and all the systems and what we said we made a pact that day to make sure that we just don't know that it's there is that we fully understand what we're seeing because we know in the back of our mind when we go out on our first job they're not going to give us two months to figure it out we mm. got to figure it out now and i that's where we were taught the hand over hand method to trace a system and i still to this day because coasties when they report to the boat they get to trace their systems i teach them that hand over hand method that i learned as a freshman in college and that still works to T, teaching any person how to trace a system. Yeah. So it's a foolproof method. If you need to know the hand-over-hand method, reach out to me. I will teach you the hand-over-hand method. Or reach out to someone else in the boat that knows it. For sure. Always use your uh, shipmates to learn new things. Because remember, there's always something new you can learn on the vessel. You can never possibly learn everything that needs to that you need to know about your industry. Always be willing and open to learn more. Hands down, 100%. Great advice. Yeah. So we end up surviving the pre-cruise slog. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they gave us job opportunities for the freshman crews. And yes. every freshman essentially had a job of some sort. And our job was yeoman. <laughs> yes. I, on the ship. I, um, yeoman was a lot of fun. Me and Jack Moosey were both yeoman. And, uh, and I kind of stumbled on it because my company didn't have enough money. I mean, I think your company and Delta company had the most. Well, we all just, we wanted to be yeoman because we got out of room inspections Yeah. because we were yeoman. But essentially what the yeoman did is they followed members of the command cadre of cadets or the regiment of midshipmen um, command. Was it called the command? No, it was regiment of midshipmen. No, I think that was it. The the people that stood up in the middle? Oh, uh, you're talking about the the, uh, the wedge. Okay. So they call it the wedge, which are the leaders of the regiment who are senior students. And each one of the wedge was assigned a yeoman to handle their clerical work. <laughs> and as a freshman, we became the clerks or the yeoman of that particular wedge member. You're basically their personal secretary. Yes. So we do different jobs. So I was the uh, cadet mate's uh, yeoman. So I'd have to go to the ship and do inventory for him because he didn't want to do it. I remember my I worked with, directly with the commandant staff. I worked with them, and I was with uh, I was with the uh, the commander for Delta uh, No Bravo Company. Right, and th- those roles flip though. And when we got on cruise, because we worked in the department with our commandant staff, who are essentially the adults in the room that are in charge of the regiment. Yes. And we had to do X amount of hours of paperwork a week. And in exchange, we got staterooms instead of sleeping in the 27-man berthing on our freshman cruise. And we also got an extra hour in port. And 
And also on top of that, we got out of uh, certain tasks that we didn't want to do, such as cleaning the ship. So yeah, right. We could always use Yeoman as an excuse to get out of undesirable jobs. Exactly. But you know that came with a lot of responsibility, and it also led us into becoming adjutants for a company, which we'll get into later on. But yeah. to go back to the freshman cruise, I had no idea what was coming. I don't know if you did, but. No. When we first went underway, I didn't take seasick pills. I didn't have any medicine or anything. I said, oh, I'll be fine. People just said you'll get over seasickness. No. I was completely wrong about that. What anyone should do is buy meclizine pills. It's a particular seasickness pill. You take Dramamine or meclizine is the stronger one if you know you get seasick. Take those pills before you get underway or you will be thanking yourself that you will not be sick. <laughs> Yeah, no, and also, too, when it comes to uh, taking these seasickness pills, right when you wake up in the morning, pop the pill right before you get out of bed. Also, make sure you drink a ton of uh, enough water because being hydrated is key. And uh, and just if you're feeling if you're feeling uneasy, if you're feeling woozy, it, it will pass. You just got to keep your head on straight and just keep on moving forward. We've all been there mm-hmm. so we can all relate. Well, freshman cruise is awesome because we went underway and we went overseas to Europe, Canary Islands. Canary Islands. We uh, talked about this in the last episode of this water park, but (laughs) we didn't mention that. We went back across the ocean to Halifax, Nova Scotia, then stopped below in Portland, Maine, where the juniors actually traded out for cruise. They didn't do the whole cruise like the freshmen had to. We went back across the ocean to Alicante, Spain, which is on the Mediterranean side near Barcelona. And so we had some pretty awesome port calls. And in each one of those, we had about three days where there was barely any work to do. And we had almost the full days in port. That's the beauty about being a student is you actually get time to go into port. Whereas as we talked about as a worker, it's about the job when you're over there. As a student, though, you're essentially like a cruise passenger in these ports. You just get off. You don't have a car to worry about. No hotels. you got a place to sleep. You're just going off having fun. Yeah, no, that's that that is one of the pluses about being a freshman and junior on these cruises. You you get to see and enjoy places with your f- close friends and get to do something that not many college students get to do, which is really really cool. Those were our summer experiences. We didn't have summers off. We worked our summer. So, we had these amazing experiences freshman cruise and I think that really impacted us wanting to continue along with the career path because we saw how much fun you could have you know you work hard underway hard working days you stand watches you have trainings you have your cleaning days you have your maintenance days those are the four types of work you do underway as a cadet but then you have these play days and those make up for all the work you did those couple weeks they're like little mini rewards Mm -hmm. for working that entire time when you get to do things, it one gives you a certain amount of appreciation for freedom and stuff like that. And two, when you're out there, you have a kick-ass awesome time. Oh, yeah. And then you come home. We get about another month off. Yeah. And you got a little bit more time than I did because I joined the training staff and became a striker. Yeah, you got you had, what, a week and a half? Three weeks. Yeah. So I came back a little earlier than uh, most students in my grade and I became part of the training set because I wanted to help train the new freshmen like I was trained when I came in because 
of all the benefits of the program, it helped me develop my leadership, being a part of the training staff and managing a company full of 60 plus recruits. And I wanted to make a positive impact on their first moments at Maine Maritime Academy. So mm-hmm. I got to be a striker, which involved a lot of additional responsibility in my classes because the regiment sort of leaves you alone as a sophomore junior for the most part. Yes, they, they roll back on all the requirements. Right. So being part of the training staff, I was still in the forefront of the regiment. You have to look like the most presentable person in the regiment because you're presenting yourself to the freshmen how they should look. And so we had to keep our uniforms up to peak condition every single night. And we were teaching them how to make their racks. We were teaching them how to be good students, how to balance all the management between the regiment and the school. And we were there to help them out if they needed it. So we went through all the phases of being harsh on them, but then we became their mentors the rest of the year, getting ready for their freshman crews. Also, you had a very interesting... Uh, striker experience as well since the you didn't have the ship like we did because right. the ship was uh, was currently on dry dock back in 2018 and that was that was a different experience right so the ship was not in port uh, so we had our RPT in the dorms that year instead of on the ship and we had to be quiet because there were athletes there that were sleeping and we didn't want to wake them up so they were allowed to be loud one day but then the rest of the time we were allowed to be loud outside, but not inside the dorms. Yes. So I, because I was one of the more athletic people, I would run the guys to the field house in the morning, take them to breakfast afterwards, and I'd help them with the PT in the morning. But we all had a different role to play, and that was my role in the regiment. Now, the typical experience though for a sophomore junior, the regiment kind of falls out of it because our goal as sophomores is specializing in our major so as we talked about in the last episode you figure out at that point whether you want to go deck engine or if you want to get out of the regiment side of stuff plenty of different options but let's say you end up figuring out deck like we did then you start getting your navigation class your terrestrial navigation your celestial navigation all those are designed to get you prepped for the commercial industry because we end up commercial shipping after our sophomore year so uh, sophomore year, what we typically, what the typical decky get, uh, goes through when it comes to classes, and we're pretty much strictly talking about deck side here. We, we do have some engineering experiences between both of us, but our expertise is on the deck side. Mm-hmm. So coming from our experience, we went through celestial navigation, uh, which is navigation through the stars, learning how to use a sextant. Learning how to use the pub, uh, the publication books. Use um, how to coordinate um, all the stuff when it comes to stars, getting sun lines, star lines, fixes, etc. All lost skills and arts. Now they're doing away with charts and CNAV, unfortunately. Yeah, so no. it's a very sad thing to hear. And in my opinion, the these are these are traditions that should be upheld. Yeah, because we can't overly rely on GPS satellites. Yes. That's a bad trend to continue with. Oh, these old skills are time-proven to work. Yes. And yeah. it should be carried on. That's why some people in the industry even still require their mates to do one sunline a watch. Yes, and I've been on some of these ships that require that. And, um, and then we went through uh, um, electronic navigation, which is learning how to use the GPSs, radios, etc., 
all the radars, all the um, the actuses, all that stuff. Terrestrial navigation, which is completely chart based, mm-hmm. learning how to do set and drift, how to how to um, make a proper um, voyage plan, all that fun stuff. In these classes, if you fail one of these essential core classes, you don't go commercial shipping. Everything has uh, everything is a prerequisite for the next course. That's right. So you can get a year or two behind if you fail one of these classes. So it's pertinent that you stay up to date on your classes. And these classes, you have to get a seventy or higher in each one of these classes because they're called. Et- these classes have STCW requirements, and these classes actually give you sea time that goes towards your MMC as well. Your Merchant Mariner credentials are the bread and butter of the whole industry. And so exactly. you have to get a Merchant Mariner credential before you commercially ship. Every single person, even cadets, have to have that. Yeah. So we, thankfully, we both survived our sophomore year. <laughs> sophomore year, semester two. <laughs> survive is the correct word to use because CNAV, Celestial, was very tough to grasp. On top of we ha- on top of the class such as NAV rules. And we were trying to set up our commercial shipping billet in our free time. Exactly. And, and for us, we were trying to set up getting a lease for a junior year for an apartment. Yes. Because yeah. at 21, you're allowed to move out of the dorms and get a lease for an apartment. Yeah. So we had all this stuff going on. It never stops. The gas pedal is always on the metal when you're at school. But we ended up surviving it. And we went and had our commercial experiences. Like you heard Silver talk about Pesha Hawaii in the last episode. I went to Military Sea Lift Command. And I had much more of a vacation experience than a work experience. They let me off into ports for weeks at a time without having to touch any work and deck equipment but some people on these ships work 90 days straight every day like silver's experience in the actual industry because that's what the industry is so what i'm trying to get is cadet experiences very widely no one can give you a single cadet experience that's going to be yours but you can get credentials out there i got my uh tankerman person in charge yep tankerman's pic i can work on tankers if i so choose to whereas not everyone can if they didn't get that qual I worked I worked on a container ship, so I wasn't able to get my onloads and discharges required for that endorsement. Right. So that's a pretty valuable one to have if you're thinking about going into the maritime industry. Get your tanker and PIC as a cadet. Mm-hmm. I think it's universally agreed upon that everyone wants to get that as a cadet. Just to have that as an option, even if you don't want to work on tankers. But becoming a more versatile sailor, that helps your resume to get into unions, private in the private parts of the uh, shipping world. So, yeah. Sophomore year, they also had us create a LinkedIn and get a professional profile going for our professional image so that companies can find us. So, it was a really big year to learn how to network as well. Start going to the career fair. Start asking the representatives of companies the tough questions. Yes, and start constructively thinking about what we actually want and put ourselves out there. They also went, we also went over our resumes and cover letters. Mm-hmm. So what, what the whole design was is we essentially worked with career services to essentially make ourselves as presentable as possible so that when, when we presenters, um, when we put ourselves in front of these companies, we represented one ourselves and our college 
in the best light possible. Because our college has a fantastic reputation in the industry, and they don't want us to ruin that reputation. We want to continue on the good reputation that May Maritime has. The legacy must be protected. That's right. And all this is accumulation because after we come back from our cadet experiences... And we have reputations of cadets out there. Oh, Maine Maritime Cadets. We like Maine Maritime Cadets because they always work hard. That's our reputation. Yes. And uh, I heard from several companies that they, when they get a Maine Maritime Academy cadet, they are extremely excited. Right. Because we are, we are known for that reputation of a hard worker mentality. Mm-hmm. From Maine, we're rugged. And come back from your cadet experience and you have to fill out some reports basically on how it went and how the overall experience went, a reflection, essentially. And you have to do, uh, you have to turn in the packet. That's your biggest thing in sophomore is turn in that packet for commercial shipping because you worked that whole summer to on a project. So um, each cruise, this also includes freshman cruise, you are given a C project. And that C project is, is designed essentially for you to be uh, expose yourself to different parts of the ship, different parts of your job field, and home in your senses on certain things. Because when you're out at sea, it's not just one crew, big cruise where you chip and paint a little bit, and then you go back to your room and watch a movie. You're uh, you're essentially working on your off time to learn as much as you possibly can. Because when you're out at sea, it's the perfect opportunity to learn what you need to do for your for your job because when you start as a third mate you better know what you're doing mm-hmm. and these cruises are designed for you to gain that experience and that knowledge so you can have enough confidence to do your first third mate's position because what the um what the school's designed to do is to give you the base for you but you have to essentially pick up the slack after that and what's interesting is commercial shipping is very, very on the ship schedule. I showed up to school two weeks late because my commercial shipping started so late. So I uh, got the email saying I'm going to Djibouti, Africa, and I ended up flying there. And this was mid-June, and our experience is 90 days. So that put me at return to school mid-September, two to three weeks into the semester. I remember showing up to chemistry class for environmental sustainability minor we got. <laughs> yep, yep. That, that's a very valuable minor for the industry, but chemistry is very tough to take. And I give marine biologists all the credit in the world at Maine Maritime Academy for completing that course as a mandatory requisite because chemistry is tough. So um, so like Jack, um, Jack Muzi got out uh, pretty much a month and a half into, um, into the summer. He left a little late. Where meanwhile, my experience was right when I got home, I was given a 24-hour notice to hop on a plane to Hawaii. So, so they, again, they sent me my uh, my letter saying, hey, you're flying out 24 hours from now. You better have your bags packed. Experiences vary widely. Silver was able to get back in time to start school. Me, I was part of the training staff, so I should have shown up to school two weeks early, but instead I showed up two weeks late. So I missed most of our routine half a mug month. Yes. And I show up as part of the training staff, and these people don't know who I am. But that provides another good opportunity because as an officer on the ship, you're going to show up to a crew that's been there, seasoned already on the ship. They don't know who you are, and you get to work with these people because you're in charge of them. you got to jump right in at and first. And you literally, I 
jumped right in the fire. I learned from my mistakes last year prior, what I didn't like about my role as the training staff, and I improved on those. And it worked out. I became a trusted source for them. And I really got into tutoring my junior year. I started tutoring pretty heavily. So I took a lot of students under my wing and I took about four hours a week to tutor students in their TNAV, CNAV, ENAV classes. And that helped reinforce that I understood the content that we were learning too. Because it all comes together senior year. It really does. No, it's um, all the classes that you experience at Maine Maritime Academy. You might seem that they might seem mundane. They might seem a little boring. Why do I need to learn this? It's all for a reason because all of these classes are designed for one thing and one thing only is to get you ready for those Coast Guard exams at the end. And I imagine we'll be talking about that soon. But each uh, each one of these classes pull directly from that question bank. Right. So like we covered in the last episode, your junior year, the regiment leaves you alone again for the most part. You stand your watches still, but... It really becomes your time to learn management and leadership skills because at the end of your junior year, you're in charge of essentially quasi-running the crews. Of course, we have our official ship's officers on there, but you're running most of the show as a junior on crews. Yes. And that's your chance to run the ship. You're playing the role of the officer. That's right. And that's Uh your trial run. And essentially, it's designed to see how you... How you fare when you have people under your wing. Mm-hmm. You and, have to manage these people and take care of them. And the, I cannot stress this enough because when when you actually become a third mate, having these management skills to say, hey, this is not a good time to mess around. We need to be serious about this and uh, believe that your word is law. And you have to have a, um, have a sense of that when you're actually out at sea because... Unlicensed are unlicensed and officers are officers. There's a, um, there is a um, hierarchy system when it comes to sailing and you've got to follow the chain of command. Always. But within reason, of course, because if the chief mate is making you do something unsafe, you need to make that heard. And if you do not feel comfortable doing something, don't do it just because a superior officer told you to do it. Right, so the shipping industry has a very similar chain of command to the Coast Guard in terms of you have your enlisted and officers, and then within each rank. So the officers have the third mate, I equate J.O., your second mate, which I would experience as a lieutenant, and then your chief mate, who's right under the captain, so the XO of your vessel, and then, of course, you have captain, who's the head honcho. Mm-hmm. And... That rank structure in the officer system is very similar. Coast Guard and Merchant Marine Industry, different title names. And responsibilities are quite similar, too, to be honest, uh, in terms of what they give. So whereas a lot of your ops or navigation people would be around the second mate or lieutenant, lieutenant commander range, or sorry, lieutenant junior grade, lieutenant range in the Coast Guard, that's around what second mate would be doing in the maritime industry. Mm-hmm. And so the officer rank and pile system is very similar. And so they need similar tools of management as well. Just like you learned at the Coast Guard Academy as an officer when you learn at OCS, it all comes down to leadership and personnel management. And you've got to have those skills. They're essential. People um, becoming a, uh, having those people skills will help you immensely in your career. 
Mm-hmm. And that is what we are developing on Junior Cruise because it's our first time as true leaders in a lot of aspects. You might have been captain of your sports team or something in high school or even at that point in college, but that was our chance to be professional leaders, which was a new step for a lot of us. Yes. Yeah, no, like, and uh, and that also taught us to essentially deal with people that are that are essentially um, under our license or under our um, under our area of expertise, and um, one you got to you got to learn how to uh, treat people with respect, um, sh- uh, show that you're one a leader, someone that is worth following and worth listening to, mm-hmm. and that is a really hard skill to learn. But once learned, it is it is something that will help you not only in your career but in your personal life. I also didn't mention that uh, for classes your junior year, you're taking a lot of ship handling type classes. Yeah, stuff to learn that, how to maneuver smaller boats. Now, the one cool thing about Maine Maritime Academy that not the uh, that the other academies do not offer is uh, they they offer classes uh, on a tug and barge, which yep. is a fantastic, uh, um, a fantastic um, skill and opportunity that we were able to learn because as as a person in our field we work with a lot of tugs coming in and out of ports docking undocking towing etc and the fact that we can learn what the tugs do as well as what the um what the big ships do it gives us unique um a unique window of experience that the other academies do not offer to actually drive and be able to maneuver the tugs was the coolest part. We got to practice putting a tug into a notch like an ATB would be. Yeah. And we got to take our dual propellers and drive our way perfectly into the notch. And then if you take it a step further in the tug and barge class, you actually get to tie up the tug and barge and drive it around the harbor. Around, yep. So they give you a lot of hands-on practice and that is another essential thing of the academy is that we have a lot of hands-on classes to yeah. be able to help train us. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat and say it replaces actually working in the industry because we were way far behind in terms of hands-on work. You know, it's a primarily, it's books and learning, but you gain your hands-on actually working in the industry primarily, even though the labs help. The, um, I can say this. I learned more in 90 days on my cadet shipping experience than I did in my entire four years in college. Mm-hmm. Just in 90 days. That's your hands-on industry experience. Yeah. So getting into senior year after that junior cruise, which, by the way, junior cruise was awesome. We went to completely awesome ports, uh, Oslo, Norway, Tallinn, Estonia, just to name a couple, Barcelona, Spain. And Vigo, Spain. Southampton, England. Right, England. Vigo, Spain. So we got and to have about three or four days off in all those. <laughs> and as a junior, we weren't um we weren't freshmen, of course. So we were we were seasoned and comfortable going into these ports. So we had a different appreciation from these places. And we made full advantage of it too. We got lost on an island at one point, oh. surrounded by an army of seagulls chasing us. Yeah, I was the one who got chased by a seagull because I got too close to their nest. We didn't realize we were in the nest, but anyways, we digress. 
And yes, also uh, I was able to get us uh, get a church to allow us up on top of their spire over in Tallinn, Estonia, which was another fun experience. You were gambling with some Russians too. Oh yeah, taking photos it. of them. That was a bad move. Yeah, they were not happy about that, and uh, and so on and so forth. We we uh, we built some lifelong memories that we will never forget. No, and that's the beauty of cruises. Once again, uh, and we took those memories into our senior year. And which then, is the accumulation of everything we've been through, regiment-wise, class-wise, commercial shipping-wise, cruise-wise. Everything gets lumped together your senior year. It was all in one. And you're basically, you're on your way out. People are starting to forget about you. He's going to be gone soon. She's going to be gone soon because they're getting ready to push you into the fleet where you're very well needed. Of course, mm-hmm. the time we graduated, they didn't need us. So it's kind of a cyclical thing. Yeah. There weren't too many job opportunities open when we were in our job hunt our senior year. Well, we we essentially, we there was not a lot of jobs in our senior year. And then towards the end of our, um, our last semester, COVID happened, which did not help our cause. So your final semester... You're prepping for the Coast Guard exam, your first semester. It's all about prepping for the Coast Guard exam, which is a series of seven exams you get to take, and you get to pass all of them to get your unlimited third mate's tonnage license, your merger mariner credential. Engineers have the option to take eight to get an additional credential. I think they have an additional uh, diesels test they can take. I'm not familiar with the engineer's test. Talk to an engineer if you want to hear more about those. But we had to do near-coastal navigation, off coastal navigation, there was safety, there was deck general, deck, uh, deck. Uh, so it was deck general, nav general, uh, nav decks, general. Uh, deck general, nav general, deck safety, chart plot, nav rules, uh, celestial navigation, and terrestrial navigation. Yeah, there was one test where we just plot on the chart. The yep. nav rules you need ninety to pass. Same with uh, the terrestrial navigation also yes. need ninety. But the thing is, there's only ten questions on the test. So if you get two questions wrong, you fail that test. Now, each um, each test had a question bank that were, were rather large. So um, one thing that uh, me and Jack Muzi learned as we studied together back in the Green Street house is that we learned not to memorize the answers, but more to use the resources that we had to essentially um, find the answers. And I think they, uh, the Coast Guard purposely does this because when you're out at sea, you are not going to possibly remember all the rules, all the regulations. So you, read, uh, you have readily useful material on the bridge ready to go for you to reference. So the uh, test is designed for you to learn how to use your reference material as well. We went pretty crazy. There was one point where Silver comes to the library. I studied a thousand questions before this exam. <laughs> and we looked at him like he was crazy. A thousand questions, man? Come on. Yeah. And, you know, there's no way you're going to memorize a thousand questions. When the question bank is 18,000 questions alone. And he comes downstairs one morning at 4 a.m. and sees me with papers all around the living room like we're in a beautiful mind. Oh, my God. And, and I you, had and charts then, everywhere. And then you would say to me when you looked at me and be like, I, Elon, I figured it out. And I'm looking at him just like, what the hell did you find out now? 
But yeah. I tried teaching him everything in about five minutes, which turned out to be bad. But I barely passed that test just because I figured that out. Yes. How to do a maneuver. The, the maneuvering board. And then you would find out that one question on each exam that would pop up. And he would find it literally three minutes before the exam. We, we had a conversation one time walking to one of the exams. I threw out a funny question to him, and that was on the test. It was about some range light in the... Uh, in the, uh, the Great Lakes. The Great Lakes, yeah. Is it what lights you put on your vessel? Exactly. That's pretty funny. Anyways, we digress. We talk about the test all day. You pass your Coast Guard exams, hopefully. If you <laughs> don't, you got to go down to the Mariner House in Boston and retake them. Eventually, you have to pass if you want that license. There's no way around it. There's no alternatives. You got to pass the tests. So, for the sake of saying that we passed our tests, like the majority of people did, we pass our tests at school, and we go into second semester. What you get to worry about then is we're doing a simulator class where we are simulating being a bridge team about four people in a lab. And you have to simulate like you're actually in the industry on a bridge. So you have a navigator, a chief mate, helmsman. you have a helmsman, and then you have someone observing the room, taking notes, seeing what's going right, what's going wrong, what aren't the people seeing that they should be seeing. You have to answer phone calls like you're on watch. It's Essentially, it's a watch standing class. It's teaching you how to stand the watch properly as a third mate. Yes. And uh, and before these uh, before these labs, you have to create voyage plans, um, uh, draw down on the chart, understand the publications, understand where you're going, what you're gonna have, what you're gonna be doing. Essentially, it's designed like Muzi said, it's designed for you to um, to be exposed on one what you might actually see out there and see how uh, see how you do when you're actually given the leadership uh, positions. Unfortunately for me too, I really like playing chess and the professor that always wanted to play chess with me was right next door. So I got a little distracted during those <laughs> voyage plans. Professor Moser. Uh, professor Bat. Oh, it was, uh, Moser used to play as well. So. Um, he was also in that building. But anyways, COVID cut us off right after spring break. We were about halfway through these voyage plans where they're just about to start ramping up to our final accumulation ones. And we got the message saying that school's shutting down, you're going home. And we were all in a frenzy. We didn't know what was going on. They put together a mock graduation for us. Yeah. And it wasn't really a true graduation, but there's a tradition where you put your name tag on the wall at the bar in town at the end of your uh, career. So we were still able to do that, but... We had to go home our final two months, and they just said that we passed the classes, which I kind of felt relieved in a way but also a little cheated that i uh, yeah especially for me i felt cheated because i i was a part of this one one of the most amazing classes that i've ever experienced at main maritime academy and this is the only class that's offered in the entire um on the entire globe that medical pic class where i actually had a um where we actually had a chance to do uh, real life pr- uh, practices on patients in a hospital, which was fascinating and a lot of fun. And I had a uh, and I had a shift in the hospital a day after they shut down the school, so I I missed out on an amazing opportunity. But unfortunately, COVID happened and we didn't know what it was at the time, 
And a lot of things were uncertain. And that's why we were sent home. And you know what is, though our final couple months didn't go the way we planned, we still had an awesome career in college that I think prepped us well for our industries. And also in real life. And uh, in my opinion, I will never trade my experience for anything else. I enjoyed my time in college and I thought it was an awesome, awesome thing to go through. The best thing you'd never do again. Oh, yes. No, no way in hell I'm doing it again. But it, it taught me a lot of life lessons that are that I wouldn't trade for the world. We did have a really nice gym on campus, too. We had a nice swimming pool. So people were able to stay fit and healthy. There, um, the waterfront camp, there was two campuses, the waterfront campus and the regular main campus. And, uh, and they were relatively close together. And also casting as a whole was a lot of fun to explore. If you might not, for if you wouldn't for uh, didn't forget all of our little adventures in Whitley Woods. Yeah, we had a little uh, like wood that. preserve right near us, so we were able to go hiking in. And at the waterfront after school, you could go down there and take classes on boats on your free time. Yeah, to get extra ship handling experience, they'd put out a random boat each day, and then everyone would get to drive the boat and take the initiative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they record your waterfront hours so they know how many hours you were down there for. You get jobs at the waterfront and you could work and help repair and winterize the boats down there. So there's jobs on campus for that. There's a lot of library. Uh, there was uh, there's a lot of opportunities that the uh, school offered that that is awesome to have uh, to have. My recommendation for any college student regards to go to Maine Maritime Academy or any school in general is utilize your library. We are always in that library. So what uh, me and Jack Muzi did was we essentially left home as home and made the library our place of study. And that was an awesome experience too because you would have your fellow students in these areas to help you through whatever class that you uh, were going through, which was nice. And you would be able to cross-reference your work, cross-reference your homework, group study, and it definitely helped you out. I just could never focus in my dorm room or my house. No. Also, for school work. Whatsoever. But it was kind of hard to focus at the library too with those bean chairs that they had. Especially as a freshman, you'd fall asleep in those and pass out. I remember a couple times I passed out and then I'd wake up and look at my watch and realize, oh shoot, I just missed three classes. I think the most, I think the funniest one was when I was in one of those bean chairs. You remember how we used to track in all of that sea salt? From right, the, the salt uh, on the ground in the winter time, and they had those uh, outlets on the floor. One of them exploded near my foot. That was quite the day. Because of the sea salt. Because of the sea salt in that library. <laughs> a lot of things happened there that I'd rather not talk about, but <laughs> it was all a part of the experience. Yeah, and you know, I'd highly recommend reach out to a former mariner. If mariners, because we're the main maritime mariners, so reach out to a former main maritime mariner if you have interest. We'll fill you in on all the details. Now, for me, in my experience, out of all the academies and listening to the other schools and how what they experienced and what they went through, um, and I really loved Maine Maritime Academy, and I would recommend it to just about anyone. In my opinion, the school really took care of us well and uh, prepared us for the industry and for, for real life. And actually, gave, uh, and they didn't lie about the job placement rate. They did not lie. 
and uh, and that you can get a job and will get a well-paying job if you go through this school. Some surprise names have gone to different maritime academies. Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. He went to the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point. That's fascinating. And then he obviously he didn't stick with the Merchant Marines field. He ended up joining the military afterwards. But still, it's they, a whole number of people have gone to the Maritime Academy and not sailed a day in their life afterwards. They just gained the skill set from there. Yep. It, um, that's what a lot of people do because you learn a lot more skills than just driving a boat you're a jack of all trades you're a firefighter you're the medic you're you're the uh, you're the paper pusher you're the secretary you do everything you manage a lot and with, uh, with not a lot of time and with limited resources and manpower it is but it's definitely an experience that I don't think either of us should trade for the world cause... exactly and uh, and a lot of things too is just like what we learned in school is intangible. Really helped us grow and get ready for the industry. Yeah, no, and uh, and in my opinion too is like me and Maritime Academy. What they did was they taught you how to be a how to be independent, and and that is something that if you're a high school student, you're deciding to go to college, and you're on the fence about this school or another just regular college to go um to go an easy route. Sometimes the easiest route is not always the best route. Mm-mm. Being roughed up a little bit, learning how to deal with stress, it will one teach you how to one appreciate the good things in life, and two, it gives you grit, it gives you power. It built character on yeah. us for sure, and that and that character is very important to everything that we do. And whenever mm-hmm. you talk to a person about what we do, we talk about it in pride because we earned the status that we gained. Hands down, to be a graduate from Maine Maritime Academy or any of the Maritime Academies, for instance, other graduates know what you went through, and that respect is endlessly there. I think the most eye-opening thing for me was I, I went to visit one of my friends over in another college from high school, and I was listening to these, this group of people behind me, and they were complaining about waking up at 10.30 in the morning. I couldn't believe my ears. Like, they, that, that waking up at 10.30 in the morning was such a chore for them. Where for us, we woke up. What, what time do we wake up in the morning every morning? 5.30. 5.30. And that was freshman year. And that was just to start the day. We didn't even, we didn't even get to class until 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. That was just to start it. Because you had mug muster, normal muster, breakfast. Yep, and breakfast you had to add before six o'clock because we had time restraints mm-hmm. to respect the older. Um, the the um, because work. Um, what the regiment taught us is that everything is a privilege. Um, take it. Uh, take it like a. Pl- um, everything. Everything is given to you in due time. What it. What the academy taught us through the regiment and stuff like that is don't take anything for granted. Because things are, um, you have to earn respect. You have to earn what you have. Nothing's you given in this industry. Nothing's given in this industry. There's nothing given in life. You got to pursue what you want. Mm-hmm. And that is a really good lesson to learn. And that, and that is something the school also taught us and taught me because I ain't going to lie. I was on cloud nine half the time before I, eh, before I entered this college and I became a new person. Even within the first six weeks, I became a new person. 
And I really liked the person that I became in this college. And it really prepared me for everything that came forward because it taught me that no matter how hard the task is, no matter how impossible it might seem, you can make it through it and you can fix that problem because you know you've been through worse. Oh, yeah. There's always been worse. <laughs> it could always go worse. The academy. And uh, Jack Muzi coming from Djibouti, Africa, he knows more than anybody. And I'll do a uh, episode about my travels at some point down the road. We're going to um, get more into uh, the travel aspect. I think I'll dedicate a full episode to that, but we'll um, definitely we'll save that for down the road at some point when we have the opportunity. Uh, Silver again, it was really nice having you for these two episodes. Talk about the commercial side as well as the maritime college experience side it really helped you know play off of you because we had similar experiences so it was nice to be able to share them with our guests in case they have interest in it because this show is all about helping people find their interest in their calling regardless of which path that is and i like in as many perspectives as possible and the maritime academy is a perspective that people could go and in my opinion you um do, um, don't uh, don't write off all the hard things because then as a high school student it might feel it might feel impossible what we're saying it might feel that it might be too hard for you to do it mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now from experience I was not the best student coming out of high school and I made it through it if I can do it anybody can do it and uh, and all it needs is you could just have to go in with a good attitude and an open mind and being ready and willing to learn if you have those skills you will be fine and you will excel and that is something to be proud of so yeah yeah for sure uh, if anyone has questions about you know, potentially going to a maritime academy please feel free to reach out to either of us you have my instagram at coast to coasties and I really appreciate being able to talk to Commercial Mariner again because I'm trying to get this complete picture between Coast Guard, Commercial Mariners. So we really thank you again for coming on. It's my pleasure, and I hope to see you guys out sailing soon. Of course. We'll look for your ship out there, Silver. And make sure it's staying within those regulations. (laughs) Uh, No, no promises there. (laughs) All right, well, have a good day. And to the audience, thank you again for listening to... Silver, amazing perspective on the commercial industry. Very much a treat to have him on here. So you guys, you got a good episode today to hear him talk for an hour. Anyways, we'll hopefully get some more Coasties on future episodes. I'm going to be heading off to A school here soon. And we'll hopefully be able to talk to some other non-rates at school about what their experiences were like as non-rates. So stay tuned for those episodes coming in the near future. Thank you again, and we hope to see you in the next episode.